0: Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsyth, alongside Mike Halliton. And as always, Run Out Radio is brought to you by Tiger Products. Check them out. They've got all the tips and shafts you could possibly need. Lots of great products at Tiger. Check them out. And, of course, we're also brought to you by Predator. Predator Qs and Q Shafts. Mike, we got any news this week?
1: Well, we have a new... WPBA national champion, and we also have a new All-Japan champion, as well as a returning All-Japan champion. Well, that's pretty sweet. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I think the big news has to be Monica Webb. Uh, No longer is she the best WPBA player who has not won a title. She came through and won the Nationals. That was in Florida came through a nice field to do it she got a win over karen Corps. she got a win over vivian villarreal she faced uh, kelly fisher in the finals and that easily could have been a third tour stop win for kelly but monica kind of dominated this tournament i mean we know that she's always had it in her but honestly she's kind of struggled a little bit when it came to the tv rounds and i'm sure that's drove her crazy uh she came through she got her first win hopefully it'll be the first of many. Yeah, and you're right. She really
0: conquered some giants. She knocked them down in this uh, event. I mean, everybody she played was, was tough. I mean, off the top of my head, I know she played Jeanette, and she played Kelly, of course. She played Vivian. She played Karen Cor. I mean, she did not have a lucky draw to win this title. And by the way, I think I can get Monica on the line. Why don't we interview her a little bit later in this broadcast?
1: Well, I don't know. If you can get her on the line, then I think we should do that. I'll I'll be working on it while we're talking. <laughs> you know, it, talking about the WPBA, um, at the beginning of the year, they reset their points list, and I know myself, I wasn't really sure what they were trying to accomplish. It seemed like kind of a, an off-the-wall idea, but if you look at where we were then and where we are now, and I'm certainly not going to say that it's just the resetting of the points list that has done it, but... The WPBA is an interesting place right now with uh, the young up-and-coming players. Uh, Sarah Rousey's been playing great. Anna Castanian had a great beginning of the year. Uh, Kelly Fisher is is probably a front-runner right now for player of the year. Um, Vivian Villarreal seems to have rediscovered her game. And Jeanette has, you know, we talked to Jeanette early on this year, and she said she wanted to be the number one player. And I thought she had a pretty uphill climb, but She's played real well this year too. It's it's certainly not the same old WPBA that we all knew for the past four or five years.
0: Oh, let's just go ahead and say it. It's no longer the
1: Allison and Karen show, <laughs> which is good for everybody except Allison and Karen. I I don't don't completely quote me on this, but I believe Karen has not played in a final all year. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's a
0: shocker.
1: Yeah. But I don't think Karen or Allison are, uh, are looking for a gold watch and, and moving into retirement just yet. Uh, if we know anything yeah. about Allison, she looks at things like this as a challenge, and I'm sure her and Karen will be back to their dominating form next year sometime.
0: Well, we'll see. I know there are a lot of young ladies that are bent on them not getting back to the top of their form. So, what went on in Japan?
1: Well, we had uh, the 2008 All-Japan Championship. Um, yep. we'll, we'll start with the ladies' division, and it kind of went as you would expect. I think the two favorite players moving into the Final 16 were Mei Liu and Xiao Ting Pan, and not wanting to take anything away from Liu's game. Xiao Ting was the favorite by a mile in that one. And she went ahead and, and went through the field. She won that tournament. Not any real big surprise there. I mean, none of the big, I won't say none, but the the WPBA powerhouses that could have been there and could have uh, challenged Pan were not there. So, you know, that one kind of went according to form. What I found interesting was the men's division. Uh, Mika Eminem off of his... Win at the U.S. Open and getting that monkey off his back, Mika had been to the finals of the All Japan Championship three times prior to this year and had lost all three times. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, so he uh, he crossed this one off of his to-do list. He has now won the All Japan Championship. Uh, his path through the final 32 was... Toe from Singapore, Manalo from the Philippines, Kawabata from Japan, uh, Nayuki Oi from Japan, and he defeated Ronnie Alcano again in the finals.
0: Wow, you know, he's really got Alcano's number.
1: Alcano, I mean, we talk about Mekin and numerous trips to the finals, and, and, I mean, he has certainly put the reputation behind him that he had years and years and years ago of not playing well in the finals but now I hate to say it but you might want to look at Alcano and say that he's starting to develop that reputation
0: yeah is it really true that he's becoming a bridesmaid oh.
1: it's I mean we all know how long it's been since Ronnie's won a title uh, now another story I mean looking at the at the final 32 there were a lot of Filipino players in the top half of the brackets and one Filipino player in the bottom half of the brackets. So we know for sure that Barry Berman had nothing to do with this draw, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just strange the way these brackets came together. I mean, I'm certainly not saying that anything was done on purpose, but you know, on the Hold top that. half of the draw, you've got Reyes, you've got Arcoyo, you've got Alcano, Corteza, Kiamko, Pagulion, Gabika, Gabica. Do I need to go on? And on the bottom yeah, half, really. you have Manalo. And, and you know, the bottom half also had Torsten. The bottom half had Oi, uh, Pocheng quo Kawabata, Mika, Marlon, Rodney Morris. So there was firepower in there, but... I'm sure the Filipino fans are just chomping at the bit to say this is a conspiracy.
0: (laughs) Well, you and I have seen weirder things than this in a draw. I mean, uh, that the top half should be stacked like that is no surprise at all. Uh, I can remember going to uh, uh, the BCA Nationals back in the 90s, and there were 5,000 players there. And uh, two guys on my team who drove together from Texas to get to Las Vegas out of 5,000 players, they drew each other in the first round of the singles. So anything can happen in a draw
1: yeah I've played in the uh the amateur event out there for the past few years and and I do have to compliment them on their draw that You can always tell that an effort is made to make sure that teams from the same state don't face each other in the first couple rounds, which is nice you don't wanna you don't wanna drive all the way to Vegas or fly to vegas and and play somebody that you played a month ago in league yep so the all Japan championship is behind us um Mika with another win. WPBA is done for the year. Seems like the big event coming up is the Quezon City Challenge, which is Philippines versus the rest of the world. Uh, You know, we've talked on and on about the politics behind it, and I don't want to talk about the politics anymore. Let's just talk about the event.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: Um, Let's see. We've got Rodney. We've got Mika Eminen. Now, Rodney will be the team captain. Uh, Rodney said in an interview that, uh, it was based on the most number of gray hairs as to who would be the captain. So he was an easy choice. Yeah,
0: he is now.
1: Uh, let's see. So Mika, Rodney, Torsten, uh, Sha Xing Wu, Ching Shun Yang, Charlie Williams, Raj Hundal, and Jianbo Fu. Mm -hmm. That's not an easy team to beat. I don't care who you are.
0: Uh, no. They're going to put up a struggle. Um. Should be a very interesting competition.
1: Well, when you look at the team from the Philippines, um, I'm, I'm going to make a comment here, and I know I'm going to get hate mail over this, but the team is Reyes, Pagulayan, Alcano, Orcoyo, Gomez, Bustamante, and that's Francisco Bustamante, Corteza, and And I, I didn't think I would ever say this in my lifetime, but I think the easiest win in that team. Might be Reyes. Wow. Well, he just—I mean, if you don't—if you don't include Derby, he has not been the Efren Reyes of old all year.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I've seen him have years like this where he's not the Efren Reyes of old. And it turns out he's just been bored. <laughs> now, once he gets interested again, he comes back to the Reyes of old.
1: So. Um,
2: not
0: one to wipe him, un- not not one to sweep him under the
1: rug. No, and in his defense, he did have a real good event at the last uh, Valar Cup, which is put on by the same uh, billiards managers and players association over there, the Bimpap. Uh, he mm-hmm. did have kind of a breakout uh, performance at that last event. So, either way, um, both teams are stacked. Sure, would be interesting to watch. Um, I'll have fun following it. Of course, you and I will be in Reno while that whole thing's going on. We'll be watching the World Juniors and the World Wheelchair Tournament.
0: Right. Looking forward. Let me say one more thing about Reyes. He's done it all. He's made his mark. And he's inspired an entire generation of great players in the Philippines. Oh, yes. If if he never wins another one, it's fine with me. Thank you for everything, Efren. And I'll always love watching you play. Now, yes, we're going to be watching the wheelchairs uh, players. There uh, the world championship and the juniors, and uh, looking forward to that. I enjoyed watching them play in Germany last year.
1: I understand uh, Jericho Benyaris, one of those young players that was uh, brought into the game. You know, in that era of players that came up with uh, you know the inspiration from Efren. Um I don't know if Pin Ko is going to be there. Have you heard anything about that?
0: No, he would have aged out this year.
1: Okay. Well, I tell you what, if he's not in the field and Banyaris is, I think I'd have a hard time uh, going against Banyaris to win that. Well, Alban Ocean's going to be there. Yeah, Albin will be there. Uh, I, I would imagine that Dominic Jench, who played so well in the 14-1 event earlier this year, that was one of Charlie Williams' events, I, sus- mm-hmm. I suspect he'll be there. Um, now the the World Juniors and the World Wheelchair Championship—that's a WPA event, isn't it?
0: It is indeed. It's all uh, sanctioned and arranged by the WPA.
1: Funny, didn't I hear something the other day about a new WPA board member or something like that?
0: Uh yes, I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, Phil <laughs> yeah, is in.
0: Quite, I'm quite honored to uh, to have been named to the board of directors of the. Royal Pool Association. I'm looking forward to it a great deal.
1: Well now last week we talked about the WPBA and and most of our listeners probably are much more familiar with the WPBA so I didn't have to explain very much about what I would be doing. Now you on the other hand maybe people aren't as aware of what the WPA does and of what this position would entail.
0: Well let me give you the short story, the side of this story here. Um, every continent has a billiard federation uh we talk about it all the time the epbf is the european pocket billiard federation the apbu is the asian pocket Billiard union the bca is the billiard congress of america every continent has a group like this that is the governing body of pool on their continent well the game of course is international and there is a need for a structure for these continental federations to be able to work together. And there is an Olympic effort that is underway for many reasons. Whether you want pool in the Olympics, think it belongs in the Olympics or not, you want pool to be involved in the Olympic effort. And I'll I'll get into that in a minute. But... All these organizations came together under the WPA, the World Pool Association. So they all feed up to the WPA, and the WPA feeds up to the WCBS, and that feeds up to the International Olympic Committee. And just briefly, the reason we want Olympics involved in pools is because many countries around the world, uh, any sport that is recognized as an official Olympic sport those athletes who participate in that sport get a salary from their government so they can live. And there are a lot of pool players in this world who are making their living playing pool, not because they win tournaments, but because they're on the government dole. They get money from their governments for being pool athletes. Now, the WPA, in addition to all that, is also – It has the goal of promoting the game in general around the world, and that means taking care of the the, the players, the sponsors, uh, the fans, and the promoters so that we have more tournaments, bigger tournaments, reaching more people and involving more players with bigger prize money. And that is what the WPA has been doing very, very well uh, the last few years. We've got more and more international events coming along. We've got more that are going to be announced in 2009. And the idea, of course, would be to grow this game to the point where a player could start out in London in June, play a few tournaments, go over to Finland, play a few, uh, c- continue his way on around the, the globe um, playing big-money tournaments and earning a handsome living. Um, we're certainly nowhere near that point now but you need a structure and a body to get the game there, and that's what the WPA is doing.
1: Well, looking over the field at the All Japan Championship, I noticed that there were very few American players. It sure would be nice if we could be at a point someday where the events came together in such a way that it was one long trek and and most of the top players... Would know that they were going from point A to point B, and I mean, certainly we're nowhere near that, but it sure would be nice to see that happen.
0: Yes, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, "What do we need the WPA for?" They don't put these events on; uh, they just sanction them. Uh, well, yes, that's uh, that's very very true. They're not the ones organizing uh, the event. However, if the promoters in, you know pick a country, uh, decide to put on a big tournament without the WPA, and they just put on a $200,000 tournament, there's no guarantee at all that players from various countries are going to be represented in that tournament. Uh, What you get with the WPA is a situation where when the WPA sanctions an event, you know they're going to be coming to North America to look for more than a dozen players whereas that event without the WPA may take place without any American players at all. Uh, it's it's a way to make certain that the best players in the world always get an opportunity to play in these major events.
1: And I also noticed, I, I don't think we talked about it in the past, uh, the WPA has put out a new points list.
0: Uh, they're doing a world ranking, which is based on a player's performance in uh, world-ranking events, like world championships, like the World 9-Ball, World 8-Ball, and so on and so forth. U.S. Open, I believe, is in there. Yes, I know it's in there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Uh, right now it's based on the 07 World Pool Championship, the 08 8-Ball Championship, Qatar 9-Ball, World 10-Ball, and the U.S. Open. And, at least to no surprise on my part, uh, Ralph Souquet is the number one player. Yeah, like
0: you say, no big surprise there. Yeah. But yeah, they want to.
1: Um, they want
0: the the WPA wants the world to realize that uh, pool is an international pastime, uh, and the players need a world ranking, not just rankings from their own country, so that everybody knows who's the best.
1: Yeah. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world. I, I know some of the parties involved, and and I certainly know you well enough to know that. You know, you're not going to make a, a half effort at this. Anything you do, you, you do it uh, as well as you possibly can. So I think they made a good choice, and I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm certain that all of our listeners are too. We'll keep you posted, don't worry.
0: Uh, by the way, I was able to get Monica
1: on the line. That is she's amazing how us. you do that. It's it's a
0: secret that I will never give
1: up. <laughs> well, if she's waiting, let's not make her wait any longer. Indeed, we've got the newest WPTBA
0: Tour Champion on the line, Monica Webb. Monica, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: Good, real good. So, um, how'd you like winning that Tour Championship?
2: Well. Um... Right now, it's the best night of my life, and I I have a feeling that it might stay the best night of my life, so it was just awesome. It was like a ton of bricks taken off my shoulder to finally win that event, and, um, you know, just uh, get get rid of that jinx that seemed to have been following me around, <laughs> you know, it it was just, it was actually becoming a little bit of an issue for me that I, I was the best player that hadn't won a tournament, so. It was it felt great to, to win that tournament.
0: Well, I tell you what impressed me about it is when you look at the tournament chart, everybody you went up against was tough. I mean, just every single one of them, all we have to do is say their first name and everyone knows who you're talking about.
2: Right. Yeah, it was and that made it even more special too that, you know, my road to the finals and the finals was all against tough players that not only tough season players but playing great. You know, they're playing their game. It's not like anybody was off their game. Everybody I played seemed to be playing great.
1: Well, you mentioned that it was the best night of your life and and maybe would be the best night, you know, for the rest of your life. Certainly this isn't going to be the only WPBA event you plan on winning.
2: No, but it's my first, so... <laughs>
1: Well, you picked a good one to do it. Uh, Tour Championship is one that uh, what it's. What did I read the other day? Over fifteen years since an American player has won it.
2: It's actually fourteen years since an American player has won this tournament, and um, I think it's a WPBA event alone. It's been about six years since a player has won a tournament, and um, the Nationals. My name. My name will always be in the the history of the WkBA is a tournament a national tournament winner, and I, I really like that. And when I say it was the best night of my life, best night of my life, it's because it was the nationals the, the road that I took to get there and also that it was my first my first tournament. And that night was just perfect. It was just a perfect night. It was almost all my friends were there except for just a couple of people that I would have loved to have been there. But pretty much most everybody was there that I would have wanted to be there, even a lot of the guy players since since there was a men's tournament there. A lot of the guys that helped me out and shot pool with me and stuff, friends of mine was there. And that's why I think that it will be the best night of my life because there was so much anticipation built up to it and then so many people were there to witness it. And it was just an awesome night.
1: You're certainly no stranger to the TV rounds and WPBA tournaments. What do you think was different about this one in your game that allowed you to get over that hump?
2: Um, I think that this past year has been very stressful for me with trying to open up the pool room and and also in combination with um, not having won a tournament. I kind of get started getting down on myself. I'm a very happy person. I love life. I have a great life. I'm thankful. I've never been depressed. But it seemed like this year, with all the stress from trying to open up the pool room, kind of brought out some of the stress that I've been going through having not won a tournament. And it was it was a pretty big issue for me because every tournament, it was in the interviews, you're the best player that's never won a tournament. Every tournament, you know, Steve Tipton is you know, if you've ever been to one of the women's pro events, you know that Steve talks about how long it's been since America has won a tournament. and it's just a lot of it was a lot of pressure on me. and it seemed to be maybe all the stress in my life right now brought out some negative emotions on my part, kind of getting down and depressed about my game and not having won a tournament. And I think I didn't like that because I'm not a depressed type of person, like I said. And I decided, you know what? I'm not gonna focus on results anymore. I'm just gonna relax and have fun and play this game that I love and not be miserable, not be a miserable player, you know, depressed or whatever, having not won. I'm I'm not gonna focus on the results. I'm just gonna focus on playing well and and, um, doing it for me. Not let other people label me. How about me label myself? And I think that it all came to a head for me in Oregon and that's when I decided to do that. Just kind of stay in the moment and not focus on the results. And it seemed to work for me in Oregon. Um, I beat Allison. She had me 5-2. And I came back and beat her 9-7. And then this tournament, after which is the one right after Oregon Nationals, I was doing the same thing all the way into the finals. And I didn't focus on the results or anything. And that seemed to be what worked for me, just get back to what I do best. And that's love pool and and play for me. And I think that's what worked. And I didn't do it to try to win a tournament either. I just did it to try to be happy again like I am.
0: Well, you know, a lot of people have told me over the years that you play better pool when you're having fun. And it sounds like that's what worked for you. But you brought up the fact that you're opening a pool room. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I know it's going to be in, what, Villa Rica, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta.
2: Mm-hmm. What else? Um. Well, it's going to be nice. It's going to have eight bar tables and eight nine-foots. It's uh-huh. going to be a full bar, full liquor, and a full restaurant. We have a really big kitchen going in there. And um, I'm excited about it. it. I think everybody understands how frustrating it's being to open up a business. But I'm very excited about it. I've done everything I can do. I have all my licenses. and I'm kind of waiting on other people now, and I'm at the mercy of other people doing their thing. So... That's what gets frustrating is people don't always work on your time or your schedule. So
0: Well do you see I know you're remodeling it now. Do you think you'll have it open by the time warm weather hits?
2: Um unfortunately probably. <laughs> I was hoping to have it open during some cold weather, but um unfortunately I'm probably gonna open up in the middle of warm weather, which can be, you know, a little hurtful for a pool room business or a bar business. But um right. I'm still gonna give it a go, so
0: well, now, you're opening this in in conjunction uh, with Helena Tornfelt, correct?
2: Right. We're partners in the business.
0: And are you guys going to, like, give lessons out of there?
2: Oh, yeah. We're going to give lessons and, and especially do a lot of things for the league players as well. So mm-hmm. we want to make it a real special place. We want to – I think you hear the same thing in every pool room you go to. You can't cater to the pool players. You won't make any money. Well, You know, that's true, you know, that the people that come in there and spend the money are the the ball bangers that like to drink while they play and and order food and stuff like that. But I think you can cater to both. I think you can have nice equipment, nice tournaments going on in the room and and leagues and, and just cater to both. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to cater to both. I wouldn't open up a pool room if I couldn't play on the equipment myself.
0: One more question, and I'll turn it right back over to Mike. What, what's the name
1: of the pool room going to be?
2: Stix. S-T-I-X.
1: All right. Monica, the last time we had you on the show, you had mentioned that you were interested in the possibility of uh, maybe playing a challenge match against Karen Kaur. And, boy, that got the forums all aflutter there for a couple of months. I know. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you gotten any comments from Karen on that whole interview?
2: No, um, Karen knows that I have total respect for her game, and we have a good relationship. Um, I think Karen would probably, you know, love to play as well. You know, it, I think it's just a matter of, first of all, you don't really want to get people used to playing you. If you're doing, if you're dominating the tour, why would you want someone to get used to playing you? So I think that that's the only reason that's probably held her back from possibly playing me and other people that would probably want to challenge her, but. It's not because she doesn't want to or have the passion to play long sets or whatever, but um, I don't, no, we've never spoke about it. But um, I mean, that offer is still good for anybody on tour. You know, I mean, I would love to do that. I think that that would be good for the women's game if we all just started playing each other more and and exchanging the knowledge, if not verbally or on the table. So, well,
1: I'm kind of curious what you think about the current situation on the WPBA, um, you know, it seemed like the Asian players, guy, young shouting, they were kind of taking over things, but when they reset the points list this year, all of a sudden, Anna Castanian is up there and Vivian's been playing some of the best pool that, that we've seen from mm-hmm. her in four or five years. And so is Jeanette and now Sarah Rousey has, you know, these last two or three tournaments has really turned it on and, I mean, what's going on there? It, it, it's not—it's not the typical Alice and Karen show at the top, but it's also not the players that you would expect to be there.
2: Well, um, I think if you followed every tournament at the tournaments and was watching these girls play, it wouldn't be very surprising to you. For example, Sarah and take Sarah Rousey and Anna Castanian. before they had finished, girl high, noticeably high in any of the tournaments. Me, as well as all the other girls, knew how well they were playing. Just because you start playing well doesn't mean that you're going to start getting TV matches in, in the Final Four immediately. But they've been playing that game steadily, on and off, a bad match here, a bad match there. Um, Sarah Rousey and Anna has been playing great for a while now, and I think that it's just coming together to where they're doing it every single tournament now, and now you're going to be seeing more of them Making it into the TV matches, so it's not surprising. And then the Asian players, um, and also like Anna and Sarah, they're American nine-ball players. I think the Asian players are nine-ball players, true, true to the game. Nine-ball players, they bank well, they shoot combinations well, they play defense well. They're great shot makers. Now snooker players snooker and nine ball players as we all know and have seen for the last decade play great as well but I don't think they're like your traditional nine ball players I think there's a difference in style and the way they they're more middle ball players center ball players and um but they're incredible shot makers but I think you're going to see more Asians and more Americans coming up in that real true to the nine ball game style and I think you're going to see them playing very well um we don't switch the cloth anymore for TV, so the cloth that you see is play on is the more worn cloth. It's been used all week, so it can actually take some of the spin that you put on the ball. Your banks are going in more of a straight line. They don't elongate as much. And I think you're going to see the nine-ball nine players, um, I think you're going to see their games start to shine a little more and actually get to use some of the tools that they have in their arsenal, like spins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know it, it's like you almost don't ever even want to use that much English on brand new cloth, brand new balls, because so, it just doesn't take. But I think you're going to see these younger girls, and the Asian players especially, they play on tight pockets, more worn cloth, and the breaks have to be phenomenal. And you're going to see all that, and you're going to see them getting rewarded on their tour for it because their pockets are tighter nowadays and the cloth is more worn.
0: Monica, for years now, for going on 20 years now, the the professional pool-playing women of the world have come to America to participate in the WPBA, and that's because the WPBA has the best show in town. Now, uh, some other countries are becoming inspired to put on large tournaments for women. Um, There are rumors, at least, of large tournaments coming up, um in uh, overseas and China and other places would would you and the other members of the WPBA um, welcome large tournaments elsewhere in the world and would you go to go play in them to support them
2: Oh yeah absolutely as long as their heart is in the right place you know if, if the promoter comes around and they want to put up a big tournament and just them be the only ones that bank and I have to take a international ticket price out of my pocket, hotel room out of my pocket, and room, or food out of my pocket, I'm not going to go over there when I have to win the tournament to, to make $1,000, sure, obviously. Sure. And, you know, if we can get some promoters with their heart in the right place, and I definitely want them to make money because if they make money and make good money, they're going to have more tournaments. But at the same time, if you're getting the best players in the world in a world-class tournament, I think that those players need to be compensated. And if we were reasonably compensated, just reasonably, I would definitely go out of my way to support those events because I'm a pool fanatic. It's what I love. And I want to play in as many tournaments as I possibly can.
1: Monica, looking at the uh, press releases that I've gotten in the email recently, it it appears as if you and Helena are going to be part of a a charity benefit in South Carolina mid-December. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. um, Well, um, I'm going basically, I've been extremely busy these last couple of months, but that's something that I'm trying trying to focus on and get back with the the lady that is actually organizing it. and. it's for a, a sick little girl who her family is having problems uh, meeting the, the hospital bills that they are responsible for, not their insurance, their copays pays and stuff. And we're basically just going to Spartanburg and we're going to play pool, take challenge matches and try to make, raise money for that little girl and her family.
1: And let's see, it's Saturday, December 13th at Sidelines Sports and Spirits. So if anyone's interested in further information, uh, do you have a contact person they can deal with?
2: You know, I don't. um, I I don't have that. I guess you could call the pool room and they'll give you information on that. Um, But it would be awesome if anybody in the area could come out. We're going to stay there as long as we possibly can and do autographs and talk with the fans and play pool, and we're going to try to raise as much money for that little girl as possible, and 100% of the proceeds go to her. So,
0: Well, make sure you send us information on that, especially the week before it happens, and we'll keep people posted on the site.
2: Okay, no problem.
0: Well, Monica, thank you very much for your time today. We certainly do appreciate it. and uh, we I hope appreciate you the, guys. Uh, we hope the joy stays with you for a long, long time.
2: Oh, it is. I've been celebrating every day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I'm still again. floating
2: around. It's awesome. Thank you.
0: Okay, uh, get back and uh, get back to what you were doing. Have a good time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay. Thanks
0: a lot. Bye bye. Bye. Well, Monica certainly seems happy, as she should be.
1: Yeah, I think so. Monica's. Uh, I mean, it kind of it kind of got me down a little bit to hear that you know it was it was affecting her to that extent. Um that she had not won an event yet i mean monica is one of those people that she just always seems to be full of life and, and energy and you always want to you always want to see her that way
0: yeah monica has been one of my favorite people since i met her and uh... you're right uh... i'm, I'm glad that uh, she was able to get that monkey off her back uh, she certainly deserves the win
1: yeah um, little side story real quick before we end the show. Um, Monica and Helena were out here in Arizona years ago putting on a a challenge at one of the local pool rooms. And we were at their exhibition, uh, and I was there with both of my kids. And Jerry Brysath was there. He's a very well-known instructor. Uh, Jerry invited Helena and Monica and myself to dinner with him. He lives in a nice part of Arizona. And I mentioned, well, you know, I've got my kids with me and everything. And he said, no, no, bring your kids along. So my my son is a video game junkie. So sure enough, we hadn't even started dinner yet. And he's chatting away with uh, Helena and Monica about video games. And for the entire dinner, Monica kept up a conversation with him about the video games that she liked to play. And it was it was really interesting to me to see i mean this is a woman who could easily have just you know done that typical adult well that's nice thing and then moved on to adult conversation but she was right there with him the whole time she talked about you know the times that she had played different video games and and it was nice and that's one of the things that gives fans a connection to a player You know, when Monica won, I called my kids in and said, guys, look, look who won the tournament. And they said, oh, wow, Monica. So that's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, it is, and she's a neat lady. Hey, you know, we're getting into our busy season here. I just realized this winter. winter has hit, and we've got Reno coming up, the Reno Open coming up. We've got the Moscone Cup coming up. We've got Turning Stone coming up. Then we've got Derby City coming up. Right around the corner is Super Billiards Expo and Allen Hopkins Players Championship. We're about to get busy.
1: Yeah, we are. Um, end of the year, uh, I really think you've got, a, you've got Reno, you've got Moscone Cup, and, and you've got this uh, Quezon City Challenge. Those are the last, in my mind, major events before a player of the year is chosen, which that's going to be a tough choice this year.
0: Uh, Yes, it is, and uh, I'm glad that we are going to be choosing an AZ Billiards Player of the Year this year, uh, male and female, that we we will announce before the end of 2008. We've got some homework to do on that.
1: Yeah, and also, real quick, before we uh, let our listeners go off and do whatever else else they do on the Internet... You had mentioned some of the upcoming events. Now, a handful of those upcoming events are going to be events on the BCA points list, are they not?
0: Yes. Now, Turning Stone will be on the points list. Allen Hopkins Players' Championship will be on the points list. Those are the next two coming up.
1: Okay. And then I know that – and the reason I mentioned this is because I know that a number of players are curious as to what events are going to be on the points list so they know where – uh, they can earn those points at, um, and I know from you and I talking about it that there will be other events later in the year that will be included on that points list, but those are the two right now.
0: Right. I mean, of course, we, we already know about uh, the other Turning Stone event that's going to be there. The U.S. Open will be on there, of course. And, and Reno. we're Reno. And uh, and Reno Open, yep, will right. be there. Uh, so we're working on them. <laughs>
1: Well, Jerry, I don't know about you, but I've got to get my bags packed and uh, get ready for Reno.
0: Yep, me too. I've got to do the same thing. So I'll see you out there. Uh, In the meantime, folks, please remember our sponsors. That's Predator Q's and, of course, Tiger Products. So take care of them. They take care of us. And Mike and I will talk to you again real soon, just as soon as this crazy business we're in gives us something to talk about. Bye-bye now.